Okay. Hello, Ivory. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I really wanted to start off with you by learning more about the work that you do and what actually Adula does. So if you could explain to me your where you're currently at with your career and, and what you do. Okay. Well, hi, Dan. Thank you very much for having me. Um, so basically, a doula, the definition of a doula is women who help other women. Um, and it's a Greek word. And I mean, it's kind of evolved over the years. Um, I am a postpartum doula, which means I just help families. Um, I mean, I guess I was almost about to say I only help families after the birth, but that's not true. I don't do births. Um, I'm not with you in the hospital or um, a birthing center or anything like that, but I help with the postpartum period. So once they come home from the hospital, um, I am there to help them in whatever capacity they need, um, whether it be just learning how to handle a newborn or questions about nursing or bottle feeding or and helping mom recover. Um, that's that's one of the big things is I don't just help with baby. I am there for the whole family um, to make sure mom is taking care of herself, to make sure, you know, the mom's partner is included in everything, um, just to learn how to be a new family unit. Because whether it's your first baby or your fourth, when a new baby is born, the whole family dynamic changes. It's not just the new baby in the mix. You also become a new person. Um, and so my goal is to support families through that transition. Um, and it does involve some, you know, some care before the baby is born. We can set up plans and answer a lot of questions and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, my job is, I've had clients call me, um, training wheels for new parents or just what a really good grandma would do maybe back in the day when we were taken care of by our villages, which we aren't here in the United States anymore. We've done okay with our children. We've got an eight-year-old and a five-and-a-half-year-old, um, and, but we really prepared more, I feel, for getting a dog, which was previous to that. We studied <laughs> and I read books, certainly for me. Um, and yeah, there is so much that you do not know going into this. And it's such a life-changing event. And I come from, obviously, the dad's side and the ignorance level that I had towards childbirth and still have, because so much is shielded from me and sheltered from me. Um, so I think what you're doing is amazing and, and really important. Um, take me back to kind of before you did this, and I guess really way, way back, um, kind of your winding path or what your path looked like from your career standpoint. Um, so I have always been a baby lover. Like I was the kid who started babysitting very early. Um, and it wasn't even so much babies and kids. I mean, I love them, but it was also just new families. I really enjoyed helping out the whole family unit. Um, but you know, when I was growing up, you could make a career out of being a nanny, but it wasn't, it wasn't that common. Um, and so when I was in school, I was told that I should be an engineer because I was really good at math and sciences. And I didn't know what else I wanted to do. So I was just like, okay, I'll be an engineer. Um, and so, I mean, I went to engineering camp as a senior in high school and hated it. I was like, these people are so weird. Um, this isn't what I want to do at all, but I didn't know what else to do. And so I just followed that path. Um, and I went to school to become an engineer and I have a degree in electrical engineering. Um, and I did that on and off for about 18, 15 to 18 years. Um, and there are parts of it I like, you know, I love a good spreadsheet. I love being analytical and solving problems. Um, but I never really found my groove. Um, it's also a really hard career to be in, um, as a woman. Um, and I was getting really frustrated with that. I especially worked, I worked in the energy field and in, um, in construction. And so it was just, it was very much a homeboys club. And so I was introduced to, well, I'll even back up further. So when my oldest was born, she's 14 now, um, I had a 
Let me jump in real quick because I do want yeah. to go with engineering a little bit more and learn about that because one of the things that you made me think of is that I'm all about in women empowerment and love seeing women in, in positions where they're not traditionally in or fields that they're not traditionally in. But I never mm -hmm. think about the impact on you in that case and how it does impact you. And I would think that it would be difficult to leave something like that too because you're lauded for it. Like people say, yeah. oh, you're a woman in engineer. Yeah. You're amazing. And we like to prop you up in so many ways, but that doesn't mean the system supports you. And so that beats you right. down, but you're told by everybody how amazing you are because you're doing this thing. Did that factor in you staying in that industry? 100%. I mean, my dad, while not a degreed engineer, um, worked at the same company I worked with and had always kind of pushed me down that track. And I mean, I, I was good at it, um, but it just got to be something where I didn't feel like we were making any progress. Um, I was like the only female on my team and I was constantly compared you know, to what my single male coworkers were doing. Like I was, I was told in a review once that I needed to spend more time at my desk. And it was kind of like, I'm getting all my work done. The reason that I'm not at my desk is because we have meetings all day long. You know, I'm kind of bound by a schedule that I have kids to drop off at school and kids to pick up. It seems ridiculous for me to stay longer just because you want to see me at my desk more. Um, but it was like, well, if you're a team player and you want to climb the ladder, that's what you do, um, regardless of how you're doing in your job. You know, it was very performative. Um, and it was really hard. As much as I didn't love the position that I was in or the company, I mean, it wasn't totally the company that I worked with, but a little bit. Um, it was scary to take that jump one, because I'd had this education and now I was throwing it away. Um, and two, I mean, I'm not going to lie. An engineer makes a lot more money than a postpartum doula. Um, and it was just security. Like I, you know, if you have an engineering degree, even in a recession, you can find a job. Um, you know, it's pretty easy to always have something to fall back on when you're an engineer. And I guess that didn't necessarily go away when I became a doula because I still have my engineering degree, um, though I'm now five years out from practicing at one. Um, but what was hardest for me, I think, was telling people that I was now a doula and that I was proud of being a doula and I loved it without adding in the, but I used to be an engineer. I do actually have an education. I am smart, um, you know, because, because when you are a female engineer, I mean, I, I guess I don't know if males deal with this too, but like everybody looks at you and they're like, oh my God, you must be so smart. And then when you tell them you're an electrical engineer, some people, I mean, people are like, oh my God, you're like really smart. And it's like, mm -hmm. I mean, I guess, yeah, but what is, what does that do in life? Um, and so it was really weird for me to go from having that kind of reception when I told people what I did, um, to like, oh, postpartum doula, what does that mean? You're like a nanny or a babysitter. Um, and it's so silly because that shouldn't matter, but as a society, we're really fixated on what people do. I mean, it's one of the first questions we ask, oh, hello, you know, nice to meet you. What do you do for a living? Um, and it took me a couple of years to stop saying I used to be an engineer or this is a career change for me. And for this many years, I was an engineer. Yeah, I, um, I am reflecting as you say this on my own thing, like this podcast is about badass women, but it's career focused and, and so much of what I really connect with people on is their career. And you're so right. And we've, and you're not the first woman that I've interviewed on this that is that same kind of story where I'm doing something else, but I used to be this so that you can kind of respect me and know that it's on my terms and I'm doing it this way. And one of the things that I have thought about from that perspective is my father was a bus driver for the RTD and what a valiant like job and a needed job and you're getting people right. to life and work and all this stuff, but so not respected by society and a really difficult job too. And he always said, you know, it's harder than flying a plane in almost every way. And you're dealing with all these people and, and, and 
it's it just is very i've been reflecting a lot on that too and how we like you're literally helping families now bring you know they be comfortable with their babies and their homes and doing all this stuff there isn't any more valiant work but society the way it looks at it, i think so much of it's salary based too and power based um and that's yeah. just from a male perspective i cannot imagine as a woman how you do have to deal with all of that was it difficult when you were having these conversations with your family even though you had a career you're already obviously an adult at that age was it still difficult when you were leaving it to from your family standpoint with them having engineering in the family yes um i think that also because my dad grew up in a generation where he started working for the company um when he was in his 20s late 20s early 30s and had worked his way up I mean literally from like the bottom up to the top and that had worked really well for him he'd worked for them for 30 some years like had a great retirement you know stuff like that and so um I think it was hard for him to not necessarily see me doing the same thing um once I started working at that same company I think he kind of saw a similar path um and so I mean, and I would imagine that they kind of felt the same thing that it, there was a there was a bit of pride in being able to say, "Oh, my daughter went to mines. She's an engineer." To oh, my daughter is a postpartum doula. Nobody knows what that is. Like, um, but they've always been so supportive of whatever I do, um, and I think that they were probably mostly afraid for me that I, you know, it wouldn't turn out to be what I wanted. But they are wonderful supports. Um, and have, have always been regardless of what I do. So I'm really lucky in that way. Um, and from a family standpoint, what actually helped me the most get over my fear of telling people that I was a doula was I was with my third grader at the time at, um, I think it was like Thanksgiving school lunch or something like that. And all the kids, you know, were sitting around and I happened to be there with them that day. And she was telling everybody was talking about what their kids did. And like one person's dad worked for the Rockies and my husband is a sports photographer and he has this very cool job that especially kids really, really love. And so she's talking about that. And then she's like, and my mom's a doula and she helps people with their babies. And it made me realize like, she doesn't have any problems with what I'm doing. She's proud of it regardless. Like, why am I hung up on just being a doula? Yeah, I think uh, so so much of yeah, listening to younger people, I the, the what I think of when you say that is the advice I'd give to my students and, and kids that I mentor, as opposed to how I take my own advice in those different situations or treat myself <laughs> in those situations. Yeah. Uh, with that, then did I'm a, I'm a big mindset person, and I think that because it was such a difficult transition mentally and, and just emotionally, I'm sure in that end, then you had to obviously want it really bad to make that leap and go through all these difficult situations. How did that part work out for you? And did you see that? Like, did you get stronger from this experience? Uh, definitely. Um, I mean, I think that, that one thing that I've noticed is I am now a huge champion of, of, trying to help other women also find their passion and make that leap. Like, I mean, I will admit that in, I worked in engineering for a long time because my family needed like a stable income and health insurance. Um, and you know, like that's not a reason to stay at a job, but I kind of had the mindset of, you know, you do what you got to do. And there's obviously nothing, you know, wrong with that. And I am very lucky to be able to quit a job like that to to take you know to take a career and that's passionate to me um that sounded terrible um to to be able to do something that I'm passionate about um but it does feel very empowering to be able to be like I am doing this because I love to do this not because I it's what people told me I should do or you know, it's a prestigious job or something like that. I'm doing it because I think it's something that's really needed in our society. And I love it. And that is rare. I mean, I think it's becoming probably um, a little less rare. But I mean, I know that I'm very lucky to be able to do this.
Yeah, I think you don't have the same corporate security in so many places. There's the next generations are certainly preparing for careers where they're bouncing all around and that's expected. Um, and so all of that part. So I'm definitely seeing it more with people following their passions, um, which is wonderful. Now saying that it's wonderful, but it's scary as hell when you're leaving the security. So, yeah. so first of all, how did you back me up to how you got into that you wanted to become a, a doula? So my oldest, um, I had a terrible pregnancy with her. I was on bed rest at home for a while and then was admitted to the hospital for six weeks on bed rest before she was born two and a half months early. Um, and the whole time, as scary as it was, I was so loved by my friends and family and the staff at the hospital. I mean, it really became our second home. And then, and then we were just discharged one day and it felt very much like, Yesterday, I wasn't even allowed to change my baby's diaper without asking. And today you're just sending me home with this baby. Um, and, and while she was healthy, kind of the whole stress of the hospital stay never left. And I, I have since learned that um, PTSD in preemie parents is really common. Um, and I know a lot more about that. But um, nobody really understood what I was going through because nobody else luckily had been in that situation. So down the road, as my kids get, got older, I started volunteering at children's hospital in the NICU being a baby snuggler. Um, and I loved it. And it was very healing for me to be able to, to have a different hospital experience. Um, and I was talking to somebody about it one day and I was like, I wish I could figure out how to turn this into a job this could be what I do every day. I knew that being a nurse was not in my wheelhouse. Um, and they were like, have you ever thought about being a postpartum doula? And I was like, the postpartum doula. I knew what a doula was. Um, and I knew that some doulas followed their families once they came home from the hospital, but I didn't realize that you could just specialize in postpartum care. Um, and so I looked it up and I was like, oh my God, this is what I was meant to do. I mean, supporting new families, um, you know, being there for them as they try to figure this out. This is it. This is what I want to do. Um, and so I looked into taking a training and took one and it happened to coincide with a time when I was very discouraged in my career as being an engineer. I had known for a long time I didn't want to do it and was looking to make a change, but I just couldn't figure out what change to make. Um, so I took the training and quit my job. And my husband and I decided that we would give it a year for me to see if I could make it work. And honestly, it took me close to a year to launch my business because I was terrified. Um, I ended up hiring a good friend as a life coach to kind of like give me deadlines and make sure that I was like doing my website and like getting all this stuff. But I, I really focused on stuff I probably didn't need to focus on. You know, I spent months trying to figure out what the name of my business would be because I'd have the perfect name before I could launch. And then I finally was like, this is stupid. I'm, this is just something that I'm doing so that I don't have to do it. And then, you know, finally I put it out there in the world. I mean, all of my close friends had known that, that this was what I would want to do and everybody was so supportive. Um, and I, I put it out there and immediately was busy. And within the first year, I was working full time, um, which was shocking to me because my biggest fear was that no one would ever hire me. Um, and my daughter at the time, my oldest, was like, really, that's your biggest fear? My biggest fear would be that too many people would want to hire me. And it was once again, one of those things that I was like, why can't I have the self-confidence of a kid? Um, but I kind of just, it just took off. And not only am I really passionate about it, but I'm actually really good at it too. And I connect really well with families and it just, you know, and for so now four and a half years, I've been doing this full time. Wow, that is amazing. And yeah, and, and I don't know how often you do look 
back and reflect. And we talked before this and you were nervous about doing this interview and being recorded and all of that stuff. And you're amazing. Like what you've done that you left a stable career like that, that is again, in society held up very highly and um, to do something that should be held up higher, right? In this, in yeah. this case, but, but isn't necessarily, and certainly with money, I'm sure is not in the same way. Um, from the business side of it, I think that the best way to learn is by doing, but that's also a scary part. Did you yeah. have mentors or were there classes as far as the business, I did. how did you structure your business charge, all that stuff? Yes. So, I mean, I took a training that kind of taught me the basics of how to be a doula. And then right as I was launching my business, I was able to connect with um, a group of women who were starting kind of a new agency and training kind of whole thing. And one of them took me under her wing and I mean, it changed my life. Um, You know, I was able to work with the agency, which meant I didn't have to do as much of the marketing sales, which was what I'm terrible at and terrified at. Um, And she had been a doula for a long time and just taught me so much, Um, you know, not even definitely about being a doula and questions. She answered questions I had with families and stuff, but also just how to do this and set boundaries and, and, make it work and stuff like that, which is really big. I'm terrible at setting boundaries. Um, and that's really important in this job because you can get burned out really fast because you're often, you know, working with families who, you know, have something going on or they're, you know, you're taking on a part of their life. Um, and if you don't set boundaries, you get emotionally exhausted and physically exhausted really quickly. Um, and so, you know, I have been, I do some work with this agency. I also work on my own, but it has just been such a great supportive group of women to know that somebody always has my back. I can always text somebody at any point if I have a question about something that I don't know, or, you know, some of the younger doulas come to me for advice, which also, you know, kind of helps build my confidence and, you know, keeps my, I don't want to say skills, but kind of, you know, at the forefront. And so you're always hearing about different scenarios and stuff comes up. So you're not just learning on the job, but you're learning while other people are on the job too. It seems like it's something that's just going to grow from here. Are you seeing that in the industry? Are there a lot of people coming into it? Yes. So when I started, I mean, being a postpartum doula was known, but not super well-known. And I don't know if the, I mean, I think the pandemic played a part in it just because families couldn't come and stay um, and you weren't going to classes or groups or anything like that. And so business boomed. And now, I mean, every agency I know doesn't have enough work. I turn down work all the time. Um, It seems to be just going, 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 um, which is wonderful because, I mean, I think that society really needs to figure out how to treat parents and new families better. Um, You know, one thing that I would like to see changed is for it to be available to everyone, not just the people who can afford it. Um, And I know there's some things being worked on there, but, you know, so far it, it just gets busier every year as more people hear about, oh my gosh, my friend had this postpartum doula and she said it was life-changing. And so, you know, I'm going to try it. And Or, you know, I had help with my first baby and now I'm having my second or I didn't have help with my first baby and it wasn't a great experience. And so I want to try something new this time around. Yeah, I'm just, as you're saying this stuff, I'm just thinking again from from the male perspective and just how ignorant I am of all these things. I make a joke, which is probably not a good joke. And I'm a hardcore feminist that I would love to have more kids because both pregnancies were easy for me and both births (laughs) were easy for me. But what I don't give even enough credence to after that is bringing our children home and having this new child that's completely dependent on you as a woman and all that goes into that while you're learning and while you're also now chemically different and all these other things that that go through it. Um, and, and often this is happening with young people that are going through all of this too. We were as prepared as we could possibly have been, I feel. We were, I was 35 and my wife was 33 when we had our first child. And even there, you still have no idea what to do or expect. And You've got a lot of life figured out at that point, but nothing with the with the birth. So um, with that, for advice for those at home, what kind of stuff 
hiring someone and having someone be working with you, I think is is a wonderful part of that. What what are some of the things that you see just time and time again that people need to work on and support with? I mean, the biggest thing is just, you know, you know what you're doing. I know that it feels like you don't know what you're doing, but you do. And a lot of what I do is just helping parents gain confidence in themselves. Um, you know, there, there is a lot that I know that parents don't know. Um, but it's also one of those things where you learn as you go. And just because I know it and you don't doesn't mean that like, you should always listen to me. I mean, the, the biggest part of being a postpartum doula is that all the advice that I give to the parents is evidence-based, um, which means that you're not just Googling something on the internet and reading articles or blog posts about it. I mean, I think that it's so hard to be a parent right now because you can find anything on the internet in support or against like any topic that you you follow and you get similar advice from your friends and your family and they're well-meaning but what worked for our parents or older generations doesn't work now it's so different um and just because you know something worked for your friend doesn't mean one that you should be doing it or or two that it's going to work for you um and even like you know doctors pediatricians are amazing but they don't necessarily keep up with you know all the information about breastfeeding or i mean they generally know all the safe sleep stuff but you know it's nice to have somebody that you're able to talk to almost any hour of the day or who will talk to you like you're a person as opposed to you're just a patient and you know they kind of have to cya um but yeah, I mean, I feel like most of the questions I get are are surrounding eating and sleeping, um, and a and a lot of what I do is just education about what's normal in those things, like what what biologically is possible with sleep at young ages, or how much you know kids should be eating or shouldn't be eating because you hear all these things and you're just like, oh, this friend told me I need to do this to make my baby sleep, and this friend told me to do the opposite, and and so it's just you know, talking through the options with families and telling them, you know, you have to figure out what works for you, not what the books say or what your friends say. Yeah, I'm sure the professional relationship part of it too makes that easy too, because once there's yes. money involved, you're committed to that and then you respect what they're telling you more in that capacity yeah. too. Uh, with that, you talked about boundaries, which I'm fascinated by work-life balance and trying to figure out. And I've become, I've just over the probably the last 10 years just started to become so many inequities in the world but also with men and women certainly um and moms are still doing so much more work at home and there's that requirement i feel or that expectation in so many ways even for my wife who i'm a feminist and i try to help in these different ways but she still definitely carries way more of the load and the kids come to her and she's way better so that's part of it too but that's <laughs> something that i also use as a crutch because i know that that and so I can't do things there's her way, which I'm trying to, to work on that too. But how do you, you talked about separation and having a balance and boundaries, which I'm bad at too. How, how are you working on and what, what it would look like if you were really good at it? If I were really good at it, I'm not sure. Um, you know, my husband is great about helping, but he also has a job that revolves around, um, like sport championship schedules. And so there's no flexibility when there's a championship. When he's home, he can be really flexible, but you know, certain, you know, the NCAA basketball tournament takes place on certain days and he has to be there for it. Um, and so I'm learning now that there are just certain times of year when I schedule less clients. Um, I'm learning to say no, I'm really bad at saying no, because you know, if somebody calls me and they're like, I just, you know, I just got home from the hospital and, you know, all of this stuff is going on. I need help. I don't want to say no to that because I think everybody needs help. And I, I just, I hate saying no to people. Um, so I'm doing, well, I'm not doing better at it. Um, I am trying to do better at it and I'm trying to, you know, set up some boundaries where, I will only work certain hours. Um, 
you know, decided maybe before or after. And I mean, I'm, I'm flexible with it. I'm not going to set a, a hard boundary, but you know, there are some jobs that just take more out of me emotionally and physically. And so then maybe I need some time to recover. Um, and I can try to schedule it that way. And then somebody may call and be like, I need help right now. And I can't say no to that. Um, I have worked a ton of nights in the last four years. People really want help at night. And I have taken a step back from that this spring, um, which has really been hard for me um, just because there's a little less work. And I'm trying to focus more on like some like lactation stuff as, you know, just sleep help. But I feel like it's constantly a battle between what my family needs and what other families you know, nights weren't so bad when my kids were younger and they were always asleep by like 8, 8.30 and then I would go to work. Now that I have older kids, I have a 14-year-old and an almost 11-year-old, like nighttime is when they want to talk to me, you know, that's when they might come up and snuggle and actually tell me about their day and stuff. And so leaving feels maybe like not the right choice right now. Um, and so I'm definitely right now in a period of how do I do what I what my family needs me to do. How am I here for them while also being there for other families? I've not figured that out yet. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard hard balance, especially when you're doing a really important job where there, yeah, it's in the, in the moment, right? You're where you're doing it in that capacity, and so whereas, yeah, I'm sure with your engineering your job, you had finite hours that probably coordinated yeah. with your kids' hours, and so that's a that's a tricky tricky thing. Um, and it's hard. I always love the analogy that, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself in the plane right. first before you and other people, but it's easier said than done. And if that situation <laughs> happened, yeah. I still, still think if it wasn't driven in my head, I don't know if I could, if yeah. I could do it. Um, I think we will have some men listening to this eventually, but also um, for the women that are listening, how do you coach the men in this group? So the women do have this, they know what they're doing and you want them to really follow what they're feeling and, and, and know they can do it. Um, right. But how, what about the men? How can they be more involved? How do you explain things to them to get them to be better? Well, I mean, it's it's the same thing. Like they, I feel like men are often the ones who are more scared. They have like less experience even with babies. And, you know, if, if mom is nursing, you know, then they feel like they're not a part of it, but there's so many things that the, the dads or the like non-birth partners can still do, you know, when, when baby is not being fed. Um, you know, I, I know changing diapers is a drag, but that is obviously something that's really helpful, but like you can do stuff like skin to skin and wear your baby and do all that stuff that supports bonding as well. That's not feeding the baby. Um, and just being a great support to your partner, you know, when they, when they sit down for a nursing session, you know, bring them a snack and a glass of water or, you know, put on their favorite show or, you know, just do something to show that you are supporting them. And it's not a pain in the rear for you to do this. Um, you know, if baby gets a little bit older, maybe you can take one of the feedings at night. Um, you know, I really like to encourage families to do shifts at night so that everybody's getting like a larger chunk of sleep. Um, it's not always possible depending on a person's job, but you know, it is hard because so much of a baby's life at the beginning revolves around eating. Um, but you can be just as involved as mom when baby's not eating. You know, some, some men are like, oh, I don't want to do skin to skin with my baby. Like that's weird. It's not weird. It's amazing. Try it. Um, you know, babies benefit from doing it with their father or non-birth partner just as much as they do from their mom. Um, and, you know, as baby gets older and becomes more interactive, it's going to be more fun for you. You know, you just kind of got to, the newborn stage isn't generally fun for a lot of people. Um, I am one of the few who thinks it's an amazing stage, but a lot of parents are like, I just kind of want to get over this hump where I feel like the baby's so fragile and I don't know what to do with them until they smile at me and they, you know, start moving and stuff like that. So, you know, you just, you know, put your own spin on whatever is going on and 
just make it work. Yeah, and I think something that, that that all made me think of too is patience with the the mom in this situation. And I think men are so again unaware of the exhaustion. And I think of often myself first in those situations, and me even being exhausted, but so unaware of what that looks like. While my wife, when she had our kids, literally had like an emotional connection. They cried, and she would cry, which I know is common. And like I never had those types of feelings where she was like, "That's." all she could focus on. So therefore she can't do the other things to take care of herself in those situations because she's just so focused on, on the baby where I see still myself in this and this and even her in this case, which is, you know, doesn't sound good when I'm saying it out loud, but I'm coming from a good place and that kind of stuff too, like the just giving grace. And I'm sure that you take that a lot with your, with your clients too, is like, you are new to this. Like, you don't know how to do it and and you're going to be fine. Like you talked about, there's so much of it. I'm sure that you're doing is the kind of counseling and mental and emotional part. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I do, I mean, I'm obviously not trained as a therapist or a counselor. And so I don't claim that role, but I do a lot of listening, a lot of active listening from both, from both parents. You know, I, I am a good neutral party. Um, and so it's easy to tell me about stuff that's going on in the house. And, you know, sometimes I have ideas on what they could try. But a lot of what I do is just like, yeah, that's unfortunately really typical at this stage. You know, we want to look out for this and this and this, but generally this will change down the road. Um, And even just not even just with the parents, but also other members of the family and stuff that want to come in and have a say and do all these different things. I mean, the nice thing about having outside help is I can tell people things without it being without a relationship tied there. So it's a lot easier for me to tell grandma, hey, you know, what would be really helpful right now is if you do laundry, not hold the baby. This is, you know, mom needs to hold the baby. Whereas a mom might not be able to tell that to her mother. Um, and so I, I do run some interference or, you know, remind parents that, yeah, I know your mom told you that this is what you should do, but that's actually not how we do things now or, you know, these are the risks associated with that and stuff like that. And then they don't have to be the bad guys. You know, they can just focus on their relationships with each other. Um, and, and so there, there's definitely that part that I play too. How does the, the business side of it work for you? That's got to be wild because you have all these different customers, clients, and you're piecing them together as if I'm just one salary. How, how do you, how did you figure that out and how do you do the business side so you can keep doing this work? Um, that's a good question and still something I'm working at. I mean, you know, a lot of times if I'm hired for a lot of hours, I just have one client at a time. And a lot of my, my, um, clients come through word of mouth. And so there's not a lot of like marketing or anything like that to do. It's just the accounting, you know, that I have set up pretty easily. That part wasn't hard for me. Um, You know, I just bill them and they pay me and I have all of that stuff. Um, Now that I'm kind of trying to switch my focus, I have started to need to maybe advertise a little bit more and that is very uncomfortable for me. Um, I love what I do and I'm good at it and I think everybody should hire me, but I don't like to... I don't like to toot my own horn and I don't like to put myself out there. It feels very vulnerable to me um, because if I put myself out there and then nobody hires me, then that feels a lot worse than not putting myself out there and having nobody hire me. Um, So I'm still learning kind of what works and what doesn't work. I mean, I have been very blessed so far to have a good you know, referral um, basis going on. And so that I don't have to do a lot of the front end work. Um, But I would say the the business part of it, I'm not great at, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of people who do what I do are like, oh, you know, at the end of a contract, I send up this follow-up questionnaire and ask for a review. And so, you know, I, I know what I need to work on and stuff like that. I don't do that because one reason is because I'm terrified of hearing what people might say about me, even if it's good. Um, and so 
I run it less as a business as more just these people are my friends and I keep in touch with a lot of them um, because you do develop relationships with these people when you've been with them for a long time and you're with them with a very vulnerable point in their lives, you know? Um, so I, I don't know that I have a good answer for that one because it's definitely evolving and it's something that I need to work on and that I often put to the side because, oh, I'm busy. I don't need to, you know, focus on that stuff when really I should be. Yeah, I, well, this could be a good conversation because that's something that I, I'm not profit focused and that's been, I think, a detriment to me in our business in a lot of ways, but I just want to do good in the world and we are doing good in the world. And I think that part will work itself out in a lot of ways. But from what you said too, one of the things that was the best lessons I've ever learned is professional sales. Sales is always thought of as sleazy, I think, um, in so many ways. And there are a lot of people who do it in sleazy ways, but most don't. And, and if you're selling something that you truly believe in, I feel you're doing people a disservice if they don't get it, right? This is something that you're obviously good at. There's obviously you're being referred, which is the best type of advertising. And so you are amazing at it. And so you need to, to work on yourself to get past that, to be able to do it for more people. And, and, and you're also in an industry too, that's kind of coming up, I think. And right. so even if they don't go with you or do your service, you're now planting seeds for someone else who could be doing this stuff too in the future. So getting past that, I think is important. What would you say to your kids? And if they told you these things? I mean, I would just tell them that, you know, the same, the same things that people tell me and that I know are true. Like just what you said, I am doing a service that is needed and, you know, there shouldn't be any shame in tooting your own horn. I mean, that's something that I learned you know, when I worked in the corporate world, I mean, that was a huge detriment to me. All of the guys that I worked with, when it came time to write our quarterly reviews, they were like, oh, look at me. I'm great. Like I do this and this and this. And I was like, I, I don't know. Like I just did what my job was. And I don't know why I should necessarily be getting like credit for it. You know, I'm just doing what I'm doing. Um, and it's kind of the same here. I mean, I'm obviously doing what I'm doing to help other people, not, I mean, I do do it as a career. I do get paid for it, but I'm not doing it so that I get credit for it. You know, I'm doing it because I do truly enjoy helping people, but at some point that's going to become a detriment to me when, you know, I am scrambling to get work or the referral stop or, you know, there or I want to change what I'm doing and not do the exact thing and put a different spin on my business. Um, and I'm not sure, I mean, I'm, sh I'm sure that there are ways to learn this and classes I could take, but I kind of think, like you said, of sales as being like the sleazy used car salesman guy. Um, and obviously that's not how all sales is. And I think I need to figure out for myself how, how to make that work with my business and what I feel comfortable with. I mean, obviously there are different levels of it. I'm not ever going to be the one who is, you know, like advertising all the time and talking about myself, but there has to be some kind of in-between where I can stay true to myself, but also, you know, continue to run this as a professional business. Yeah. I've reflected on my own confidence levels in a lot of ways. And I think so much of it is if you're born a white American male, you are told your whole life, you can do anything. And I saw a meme of some kind recently that said, uh, husband is the person who takes out the trash and thinks they've changed the world. And every week that I take out our trash, I'm like doing such a service to this. And it's, it's interesting because, because you're way better than me and the women I work with are way better and all these different things. You're doing all these things. And I want you to see that in yourself. And that's one of the, the reasons I wanted to have this podcast is I think there are a lot of women in our community that that know their badasses and own it and are good at self-promotion, those things. But there's probably more that are unaware of all these things that they do that are unique and really important. And so I appreciate your honesty with that. And even coming into this interview, you were nervous about it. Um, how's it going so far? I mean, it's great. You have made me feel very comfortable. Um, I, I can't imagine anybody actually listening to this, but. <laughs> I hope they will. We're, we're about to find out in a little while here. Um, but I think that that to me is, I think you can find a balance. I think you can use your previous clients and their referrals too, 
and do more documentation with them because you built those relationships. I think they will brag about you. So then you don't need to be doing it, which it doesn't feel uncomfortable to you in that capacity. And then hopefully you'll read those yourselves too and see the impact you made on these people. And then I think another trick that I really like to do is what would you tell the other people? Like I said, like to your kids. Yeah. And typically it's very different than the way you'll treat yourself. And you just need to kind of trick yourself into, into to going with that. Yep. You're right. So you're going to do it. All right. So then what do you want moving forward? What are your, your next steps? You're still new in your career. What are you, what you talked about going to another area potentially or whatever with it? What is that? Well, I got my um, lactation counselor certification at the end of last year. Um, one, just as, you know, an extra service to my clients to be able to offer them that level of expertise. But I also do kind of want to be able to focus on that a little bit more. I mean, I, I don't know necessarily if I'm moving or where I'm moving, or if I just, you know, am, I think everybody goes through it in the career. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? How can I serve more people? I mean, that's the question that I come up all the time is how do I help more people have postpartum support? And what does that look like? And how do I make that model work? And I'm not figuring it out at all. Um, I've tried offering some, you know, shorter sessions that are a little more affordable than signing like a very long-term contract with me. Um, and I think probably it'll just take time um, or maybe there's not the market for it. And I need to go back to doing more of the long-term contracts like I was before. Um, and, you know, and it's also summer. My kids are about to be out of school. And so things I always slow down a little bit or try to in the summer, just so I can be around a little bit more for them. Um, and so I think I just need to figure out what the fall looks for me and um, what I, how I want to serve the community versus what the community needs from me. Yeah, that's a tricky balance, but you're going to find it. And I, you made me think of two with our kids. One of my friends told me that they, their kid is like eight years old and they now did the math, which is easy math, that they have 10 more summers with their children at yeah. home. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, we've got an eight and a five and a half year old and it's going way too fast too. Yep. And I'm so passionate about the work I'm doing, but I also will never, ever regret spending more time with them. Yeah. And so creating those boundaries, finding those things, knowing that it success takes longer often than you, than you want it to be, or finding your vision. And then also from a mindset standpoint too, that what a neat opportunity to have these struggles and have these, yes. you know, to yep. be creative at what you're doing. Um, and with that, let me go to that real quick. What from engineering transferred to this? What lessons or parts of what you did, or even it could be good, bad, would transferred to this that you now reflect that that was you're you're happy that your path was the way it was, so that you're here now. Well, I mean, I will never regret my path just because I have so many friends that I made along the way that you know I wouldn't have made if I hadn't been at mines or I hadn't been working in my engineering jobs. But I mean, I did think. I think that it taught me, I mean, I have great analytical skills, which come in handy sometimes um, here. I can also put together like baby furniture and, you know, apparatus very quickly that comes in handy. Um, and I think that it's just the mindset of I did something else before and I know that it wasn't what I was meant to be doing, but I was doing it because we needed an income and insurance and stuff like that. Um, and so I get, I get that, I get how engineering minds work. And now I'm able to be like, oh, now I'm on the totally opposite side of being an engineer. Um, but I'm still able to relate to people who are, and I have a lot of clients who are engineers or who are in, or in the tech business. Um, and sometimes it seems that they maybe trust me a little bit more because I was an engineer, which goes back to that whole thing we were talking about before. Um, but I think that mostly I am just able to be more thankful that I'm able to do this now um, and have an opportunity to do something that I'm passionate about instead of doing something that I was just doing because I was told to be doing it. Yeah, I think that I was born in Denver, but I grew up in San Diego. And when we moved back to Denver, which is 13 years ago now, um, 
I realized that having bad weather makes the good weather so much nicer. And Denver's got very mild bad weather, but but you just appreciate stuff so much yeah. more. And I thought that with with education too. And I was in business for in sales for ten years before I went into education. And all the teachers that came straight into education, I felt bad for in a lot of ways because they didn't know that other jobs were difficult or they didn't have that same base where I had difficult days. And I could say, oh, I, I understand there's other stuff that's difficult. And then, you know, it's an honor to be doing this or whatever. And it seems like you're in that place too, where when you, I'm sure there are tough times when you have those and you're, you're able to reflect in a better way and be more patient with yourself. True. Yep. Okay. I think that's pretty much all I have for you today. Um, I think that the work you're doing is great. I think that from a man's perspective, we're not going to have any more kids. My wife is definitely done with that. Um, but, but I, um, will tell people to do this work because I think that that's something that's really important. I saw it even just with the lactation consultant that came in, in the hospital, but there was, we didn't have that when we came home right. and that seemed like it was such a, an important part of this and, and having people help you throughout those times and such important times that you're really not doing that often. And so that's something that it seems like a very worthwhile investment. I agree. I mean, I think that, you know, you can never have too much help. And especially we plan as a society so much for birth, you know, and we place a lot of emphasis on birth and birth is very important, but it doesn't end there. And, you know, if you want to set yourself up for success, knowing that you have someone in your corner that you can call or that comes over and, you know, just holds your hand and, you know, lets you cry or, you know, fixes solutions or whatever. I mean, I think that that everybody deserves to have that. How do people support you, contact you if they do want to work with you? How does that work? Um, so I have a webpage. It's called ivorythedoula.com. Um, and that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. Um, yeah, you can just submit a form that way and we can start emailing or texting or have a phone call, whatever is, is easiest for you. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today. You, you did great. You had nothing to worry thank about you. here. Good job. You are a badass. Do you feel like a badass? I do. Yes. You made, I mean, you made me feel very comfortable. This was not as bad as I was expecting at all. And I appreciate you wanting to interview me. Awesome. All right. I'm going to stop recording now. You have a great day. Thank you. You too.